Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 79 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. I've got lots happening this week, wasps robbing, starving bees, an emergency location system, and it's pizza night at the beekeeping group. Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I recently posted a 60-second video to my Patreon page showing some wasps raiding a very weak colony. So weak, in fact, that the bees could do nothing to prevent the robbing. The colony was, in fact, a drone-laying queen colony and was one that I'd decided to unite, but the wasps got in first and fast. Within a week of checking them, they were all but dead, and the wasps were on every frame, stripping it bare. The question then comes of what to do with the hive. I think I've mentioned before about leaving them, as removing it runs the risk of just having thousands of wasps suddenly finding themselves without a location to rob, and moving on to the next unsuspecting colony in the apiary. So that's what I've done. I had the same situation in another apiary. The wasps do seem to have enjoyed a very good year this year, I suspect it was the very early start that we all benefited from. Anyway, at this other location I decided to shut the entrance and was going to remove the hive, but at the time was suffering from a rather sore back, so I left it in place. When I returned a week later, I found that the wasps were able to squeeze through the Varroa mesh floor and get inside. They were amazingly small wasps, but even so, I was really surprised that they were able to get in. The open mesh floor was the pressed, galvanised style of floor. I had decided to remove this colony from the apiary instead of leaving it because all of the other colonies were very strong and I don't think the wasps would have had any chance of getting in at all. And this is a good point to dwell on and mention, particularly for beginner beekeepers. There are lots of books out there giving advice and even more so-called expert beekeepers giving even more advice and sometimes it can be difficult to see the wood from the trees. But no two situations will be exactly the same, or at least very rarely the same, and making a decision as to what to do can seem quite confusing. The advice I would give is do nothing. Well, at least not to start with. If you're unsure about what to do, you should just pause and grab a drink. Have a sit down and think about what you're actually seeing. Take on board all the words of wisdom that you've read, and the advice that you've been given, and set it against what you're actually seeing in your apiary, and then make a choice about the course of action you want to take, and reason through why you're doing what you're doing. You won't always get it right, but at least you'll have had a good think about it, and arrived at a reasoned decision. If it doesn't go to plan, add it to the growing list of things you've tried, save the experience for the next time you're confronted with a similar situation, and give something else a go. Still on the subject of wasps, I've decided I'm not going to use any wasp traps anymore. In fact, I don't think I'll use any traps of any sort. I'm thinking here also of the Asian hornet traps as well. I did put out a couple of wasp traps this year, but they seem to gather in a wide range of insects other than the targeted wasps. It appears I'm killing a whole range of insects that really don't deserve to die, and as I've mentioned before, Strong colonies don't suffer from wasp problems. 
The reason for not using hornet traps is the same, and I'm not able to visit my apiaries on a daily basis to check them, so it makes the exercise pointless really. I think I have more chance of spotting an Asian hornet hawking in front of the hives than catching one in a trap. It's just my decision, but I would say that most beekeepers would probably do better concentrating on making their colonies stronger than setting out traps to catch the autumn wasp population, along with a myriad of other innocent bystanders. All of the colonies that needed treatments now have the apivar strips in them. I did notice that one of the BS Honey 2-in-1 nukes, which is set up with two 3-frame nukes, had actually lost all open brood and I could see no eggs in it at all. It was quite a surprise really, and although not terribly scientific, I suspect the apivar was to blame. Each side, that's each three-frame nuke, had one strip of apivar in it, and was fully loaded with eggs and brood last week. Yet this week, although full of bees, they appear to have stripped out all of the brood and eggs. It looks a lot like I've over-treated them with mitoway quick strips. It is only one of maybe... 25 or 30 nukes to have reacted this way, but I thought it worth a mention. It'll be interesting to see how they stand at the next inspection and whether I can find the queens. Talking about nucleus colonies, I was surprised to find a couple were starving this week. They were strong, six-frame nukes with plenty of stores, lots of brood in all stages, and strong laying queens at last inspection, yet within the space of a week they appear to have eaten all of their stores. I did stop and watch for a while to see if they were in fact falling victim to robbing, but no, everything looked fine with them apart from the fact that they had become very hungry, it seems. It's an important point that might get missed, but while you're checking your bees and putting on treatments, it's well worth making a note of how much stores they have, particularly if you've removed all of the supers to extract honey. Apart from a couple of colonies, all of mine seem well provisioned thus far, particularly with pollen. I don't know if any of you out there have noticed the same, but the bees seem to have been very keen on collecting and storing pollen this season. I did add feeders to the colonies that were very light on nectar stores, and here again is an area where new beekeepers might fall foul of following the written word too closely. Many books, and indeed many treatment instructions, will tell you not to feed at the same time as using the treatments, as it interferes with the effectiveness of the treatments. That's all good advice, I'm sure, but if you don't feed because you're treating, only to find out that the bees have starved over the six-week treatment period, what's the point of treating in the first place? You can always go back and treat again another time, and any effect from the treatment will be better than nothing at all, but food stores have to be at the top of the list if you have a starving colony. Don't rigidly follow instructions without looking at your colonies and assessing each one individually. Just to clarify, I'm not saying don't follow the instructions, but what I am saying is just use your common sense when you're looking at the colony if you're preparing to put treatments on. Changing the subject slightly, here's some questions for you all. Do you have out apiaries? Do you ever inspect colonies either at home or at your out apiaries alone? Have you ever wondered what might happen if something were to go horribly wrong while you're inspecting? either at home or in the middle of the countryside? And what precautions have you put in place to alert someone should you need urgent help? As a bee farmer with multiple remote sites, I can find myself alone and hidden away from any form of help during most days of the week, 
So what would happen if I suddenly fell ill or had an accident and couldn't drive or walk? I think mostly, after about 24 hours, there may be a search party sent out. At least I'd like to think I'd be missed at home after that length of time. The reason I ask these questions is that I was checking out the World Wide Web the other day and found an interesting article about a mobile phone app that can lead people straight to you to within about a 10 metre square. It's called What Three Words and is available to download for free. Once you have the app on your phone, it will work offline, so you could be in a remote area but still find your location, which you can then pass on to the emergency services. If you happen to have a mobile signal and you don't want to alert anyone other than home or your best mate, you can give them the location and they'll be able to come straight to you. In basic terms, it works by taking your location grid reference and converting it, wait for it, into three words. To me, it's far easier for me to tell someone three words than to try to read out a grid reference and have them go online and try to figure out where the hell I am. And it doesn't have to be used for emergencies. So, for instance, I'm at B-Tradex with my local beekeeping group and we arrange to meet at a specific location. We get separated and the car has been moved to another car park. I speak to another member of the group who also has what three words and he tells me the three words commented, phones, buzz. I plug this into my phone app. I can immediately see where the car is parked. On a more serious note, I could be at a remote apiary location and find myself getting injured to the point that I can't move or can't drive the truck and need help or suffer a more serious problem that requires urgent medical assistance. It's not easy to accurately give a description of somewhere in a field near a big tree beside a river. However, if I tell them the three words treetop, spectacle, evolving, they can find my exact position quickly and easily. Just in case anyone decides to take a look, I don't have any apiaries at this location, I just picked somewhere randomly on the map. The first person to send me the location via a direct message earns a mention in next week's podcast though. I have read a few criticisms online about the system, and I'm sure there will always be people who will look far more deeply into these things than me, but for a simple quick solution to an immediate challenge, for me, it works. I've told a few people close to me about the system and got them to download the app too. So now if I do run into any problems, I can contact them and hopefully they'll be able to find me without any problem. I'll leave a link in the show notes so you can take a look yourselves and decide on its merits for you personally. And just in case anyone is wondering, no, I'm not sponsored or funded in any way by the company that has what three words. Moving forwards, we're heading into some very autumnal days and nights now inspections will gradually draw to a close and we'll all be wondering what on earth to do with ourselves. Well, could I suggest that some of you might like to get out a microscope? It's not too late to grab some pollen samples too, especially if you're still inspecting colonies and spot some pollen being brought in. You could also check beneath the floor on the hive, especially if you have a concrete base, a slab or something. This of course is assuming that you're using open mesh floors. There's no point looking if you have solid floors. Remember, I can supply a wide range of microscopy equipment, a nice spread of microscopes to suit most pockets with prices starting at around £127 for a high-powered microscope. We also have all the accessories you could possibly need to have a fun and informative winter, checking out pollen and bee dissection under the microscope. 
I plan to spend some time checking out some of the pollen samples I've collected over this summer. I've recently seen plenty of ivy pollen going into the hives, so I'll grab a sample of that too and make up some slides on video to demonstrate the process again. Something I have been very aware of this season is the high number of drone-laying queens we've had. I've not known it to be quite this high before. If you're inspecting and find you have a drone-laying queen colony and need to remove the queen, please do hang on to her for me. I'm going to carry out a few dissections this winter and figured I might as well try and see if these drone-laying queens have actually mated. So if you have a colony and you're removing the queen rather than destroying her, could I ask you to pop her into a cage or a small tube or box and humanely dispatch her by putting her into the freezer? Drop me a message via the website and we can arrange for you to send the queen to me and I'll attempt to see if she's mated or not. I've not attempted this before so it'll be interesting to see what I can find out and of course I'll give you a mention on the video and send you some information and pictures of how I get on. I might have mentioned it before but our small but perfectly formed beekeeping group, the Norwich and District Beekeeping Club, meets regularly each month with speakers and a variety of topics, not always beekeeping, but always of interest and this week sees our summer social event and this year it's a good one. We're having a pizza party at the local pub where we hold our meetings. Aptly called the Beehive, we're taking over the courtyard outside and I'm taking my pizza oven along to cook up a few pizzas for everyone. And no doubt the chat will be all about the season everybody's had and getting colonies ready for the winter. It's turned out to be more popular than I thought. We've had 30 people RSVP to say they're coming. I only hope they know what they've let themselves in for, as I can only cook two pizzas at a time in the pizza oven. It could be a late night. I will get someone to take some pictures and post them online. We have a Facebook group for the club, and I'm working on a new website for us too. As if I didn't already have enough to do. But hey, I'm sure I'd only get bored if I wasn't as busy as I am. Well, that's it for today. It's a slightly shortened podcast this week as I have to dash off and make pizza dough. Don't forget to catch up with more of my beekeeping journey by checking out the continually growing content list on my Patreon page and that's www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. I hope you have a great beekeeping week and thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast. And remember, keep eating pizza. I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Beekeeping.